Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is a conversation we had about a week ago with the wonderful Dr. Graziella David in Brazil, who is, she is a economic justice expert, global expert, who uh, has put together a new report into how the IMF are dealing differently with different jurisdictions, shall we say. We're posting the podcast now because Oxfam in the EU and indeed in Ireland are putting out another report that, that backs up Graziella's uh, work that we, we covered last week. Uh, please give it a listen. If you're listening, if you're joining, please join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise And up there at the moment, you've missed some brilliant new podcasts, including the conversation I just had with crime correspondent Michael O'Toole about his, his new book, Blacklight. Uh, Rory had a great conversation with good old Jude and Frank from Inish about the derelict Ireland and the inefficiencies in the derelict uh, housing uh, tax that the government have just introduced at the budget. There's also a great breakdown with Claire McGettrick of adoptions.ie on the most recent events in terms of tracing and the government's uh, handling of the mother and baby homes report. All of that is available right now on patreon.com forward slash tortoise along with all our back catalogue and completely plea free all in one place and you don't have to listen to me ask for your support thanks for listening thanks for subscribing and i won't delay you any further enjoy this podcast hello welcome to the echo chamber podcast my name is tony groves and uh, as we were talking martin what was it now two or three weeks ago we've been covering events in in colombia we watched um gustav petro's speech in the un with uh a little bit of hope in our eyes, I suppose, and we were kind of looking at that as, as maybe a, a a position of change. Uh, and we've continued to to look at these situations globally because we know in certain places things are looking more bleak. And but you want to take moments of hope. We keep what I like the fact that we continue to cover events in in Latin America. Yeah, I think it's I do. I do. I intend on spending many years of my retirement in Latin America on a motorbike driving around. I, I, well, you want to get a move on because uh, you haven't got, <laughs> <you> haven't got <laughs> that Thanks, long. Tony. Thank uh, you. Look, I, <laughs> listeners will recall we've been. Uh, our guest today is Graziella David. She's the economic justice coordinator with with Latin America and the Caribbean and with Oxfam. Yeah, you'll have heard her on before when we spoke in, in, in her, one of her previous roles with the Global Alliance for Tax Justice. Graziella, it's great to see you. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Going through some intense times here in Brazil, but good. Intense is a really, really uh, interesting way of framing it, but it, it, it's going to be a very interesting few weeks. But I want to specifically talk about one of the issues we've we've spoken to you before about, but broader. You've, you've been part of a report that came out on uh, the impact of now what is austerity in Latin America and the, and the Caribbean and and how it's been and how it's actually increasing inequality and I want to contextualize this for listeners because we saw only what events in the UK when um, Liz Truss's mini budget caused chaos and the IMF came out and said you know this is don't do this this is silly this is going to cause um, pain and yet your report seems to sh- show that the IMF are actually giving one doctrine in one part of the world and a different doctrine in the other. Is that fair, Gracia? It is. Actually, you you got the master point of the report and of the IMF actions because they actually have a contradictory attitude towards different countries and regions of the world. So while for the North um, um, countries, they usually say, don't do austerity. You need to to print more money. You need to do more investments. That's how we have a, a good economic cycle. For the countries in the South, 
they usually say, no, you have to go for austerity. You need to cut, to cut and focalize social protection. And this is the best way. So it's a different narrative for different countries. And the worst, the central reports that they do normally have recommendations that they give to the, to the North. But what their, their country offices actually do is say the opposite for us here in Latin America, for example. Is there extractivism in what the IMF is doing? Are they extracting money from the region? I don't know that if they are doing that because they actually don't get money from the region um, or, or they could get from, from, from the contracts that they, they can um, have interested rates that they have to pay for that. So by paying interested, it's a way of, of, of doing some extractives. You're right on this, thinking better. But, the, but, um, but can I, so yeah. just on that point, on the, the interest rates always are, are very different as well, north and south, like, like really very different. And to the point where we've seen not just north and south, we've seen issues with, with Kenya trying to refinance debt and that. But particularly in, in, in Latin America, there's been real issues around, around credit as a way of extractivism. Yes, it's different. In our report, we actually talk about three different groups of country and how the IMF make loans for them. So for the countries that they consider to have a more sustainable economy, they usually make loans with lower interest rates. It's easier for them to, to have loans. And then things get worse with the second and third group. And for those countries who are poorest, um, when it's a situation of emergency as COVID, they have a specific specific loans that might help help them. But normally they only have access to the traditional loans with very high interest rates. So it's weird how the poorest countries and with hard economies actually get the worst deals. Can I quote a bit from your report as well? Because it's not just interest rates, it's it's the inequality of income as well. Um, at the end of 2021, an immensely privileged uh, minority of the 10% captured 77% of the total wealth of households, while the poorest 50% concentrated barely 1% of the wealth. That's a massive divergence in, in the spread of wealth. Massive. What can be done about it? Yes, it's huge. What we are proposing on the report, what Oxfam is working on, there are many alternatives, but at the moment we are working on two main taxes, for example. One would be to tax wealth. So there are many options to go for that in many countries in the region. For example, we don't have wealth taxes. We have some on property. And just a few countries have taxes on wealth, Colombia, Argentina. So there is a huge opportunity on that. We have actually done some, some estimations and we found that if we tax just the billionaires of the, the region, um, there aren't so many. So just the billionaires, not the millionaires, just billionaires. We could collect at least 20, um, $20, billion, $20 billion. Mm. So it's, there is a potential there to, to collect. And the other one would be to tax uh, windfall taxes. 
because some companies, especially here in the region, who are making money from, we are, Oxon is calling benefiting from pain, which, which are the companies who are making money um, from COVID, from the war, and they are ma making a lot of profit and they are not being properly taxed. They could contribute more because it's not because they are doing a fantastic work to make this profit. It's because they are benefits from a terrible context and from, from the pain of other people. So we are saying that they should be taxed on this, this excessive profit they are doing. Just on the, like, again... We'd argue the same thing here, by the way. There was a tax uh, commission uh, put put in place recently and given an expert report to our, our government and recommended wealth taxes and, and, and doing that. And our government thought it all sounded far too much like communism. Um, but nonetheless, uh, just on, on the actual wealth, the, the, the inequality, though, obviously, during the pandemic, the governments across the world, all of these people stepped up. Money was money was made available to make social supports. Yet in the worst year of the pandemic in, in, in many countries in Latin America and the Caribbean, it got worse because the, the policy changed midway. Can you tell us a little bit about how why that was the case? Because in I'm, I'm and again, this is just for the benefit of Irish listeners. We actually inequality shrunk in one of the, the main years of our of the pandemic because of the state supports. And once the state stopped, actually things got worse for us economically, whereas it 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 was it was pretty bad in parts of, of Latin America. Yes, I guess that I should go a little bit before. Before we entered the pandemic, the region was already under a lot of austerity measures, a lot of budget cuts, including in health, for example. So many counties were already facing a situation where their public health was weak. So when COVID-19 came, the pandemic came, the countries were really not ready for that because their public, their public health was already very weak to deal with that. And then during the first year, just during 2020, there were some fiscal stimulus, which was important. And actually for this year, in the countries that actually made more effort, inequality reduced. But then on 2021, when the pandemic was in the worst situation in the region, we, are, were, we were already facing austerity and budget cuts again. So while the pandemic was getting worse, the, the budget was being reduced, and this caused a lot of problems. Poverty, hunger, many countries in, in the region had hunger increased. Um, the case of Brazil is, 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 is very sad because Brazil was out of the hunger map, and now it's back. And Sorry, can you explain that for, 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 for me? So Brazil had emerged from that uh, that at risk of hunger index and then went back into it yes it's back so it's it's really horrible yes the situation hunger is really strong in the country and in in the region um and so that's that's the situation the austerity has has been terrible for the region and increased hunger poverty and inequalities all over again and probably um we in English, like avoidable deaths, there are many deaths that happened due to COVID that mm. were avoidable, that shouldn't be, be happening if we had more more budget for health and 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 should that things. Yeah. Is there a, do you perceive a difference to the way the IMF deal with white people as to how they deal with non-white people? Do you perceive a difference in that? 
Uh, I I can't say that directly, but if we look at the concentration of white and, and non-white people in each country, and we see how the IMF deals with these, these countries, it is different. If we look at countries in, in Africa, countries in Latin America, we, where we have a higher proportion of non-white people, um, we can see that the treatment that these countries receive is quite different and the, the recommendations made by the IMF, including on having austerity, are very different. While for you in Ireland, they are saying, don't do austerity, that's insane. Here they're saying, you have to do austerity measures. So, Yeah, I, I think with what we talk about, what we I think the phrase we use, Martin, is, is um, economic colonialism. Because it is a form of economic colonialism, uh, and whether that, whether that, but it's a couple of other things. So you did say, you know, the, the countries, uh, the region's not that wealthy, but the region is insanely wealthy when you look at certain parts. I think it was at one stage, twenty-seven new billionaires, you know, making making um, a, a con- in the concentration of wealth within a few small hands. Two, the two richest men um, are richer than the entire uh, bottom fifty percent. There's there's phenomenal wealth there, Graziella. Where is the are are people are governments now keen on looking at taxing the wealthy there? Is there that because again we mentioned Gustavo Petro at the beginning, he spoke about things from a different perspective in Colombia. Is that kind of mentality maybe a bit more acceptable now in 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 light of what's of the emergence from the pandemic? Yes. Well, we have two situations. Some Oxfam uh, countries have done some research to see the perception on taxing wealth. It's the case for Peru. Oxfam Peru and Oxfam Brazil have done, and, and Bolivia is also going to release one research on this. And they found that people are supporting more wealth taxes. And as we can see with the elections in Chile and in Colombia and with their new government saying that they are willing to, to make tax reforms and to tax more the wealthies and to tax multinationals, we can see that there is a wave of change in Latin America. And we actually want to, to take advantage of this moment, this feeling and this desire. So we are actually trying to coordinate with other organizations in the region to have a regional fiscal um, pact agreement so that we can have a, a space to better coordinate fiscal policies and to, to avoid illicit financial flows, to reduce the impact of tax havens in the region. So we are trying to move this here too. And and really, the region could be an economic power block. I mean, if you if you had the region work together, I mean, it's rich in natural resources. The entire region is rich in national res- in, in resources. It could really be a a power block, a major player. But it would seem that the IMF and, and Western banking want to keep you in second place. It would very much seem like that. Do you think so? Uh, well. It's hard to make these assumptions, but we can say that those are the results. At the end, that's what happens. If policies are if policies are a long time implemented and they're seen not to be like, I'll give you an example. One of the ones we always like to talk about, and this is how it was explained around what happened with Greece and the austerity that was imposed on it. Greece couldn't pay its its bills. Um, another another uh, lender came along and said, "Look, 
we'll give you the money to pay that bill that you can't afford, right? That you're that you're maybe being charged four percent on it, but we're going to give you the money to to pay that bill, but we're going to charge you fourteen percent now to pay us back on it, and expecting that Greece could actually somehow on with less money pay the bigger interest rate, and that is the equivalent of what happens in many of these situations because the balance of 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 uh, economic power and particularly financial markets uh, come against countries. But I, I I keep talking about numbers, you know, about the level of um, inequality, the level, the, these this billions and that billions. Like behind those numbers, behind those numbers we're talking about, there are a lot of people who are, who are going hungry. And, you know, we, we were involved in a campaign called Nothing Kills Like Hunger. And now you're talking about, the, now you're seeing this now. If it, it it is really, really scary that that in um, one of the most populous parts of the globe, people are people are at risk of actual not knowing where their next meal comes from. Okay, so for example, we've done some case studies on the on the report, and we've I was talking about the case of Brazil that is back to the hunger map. So in two and twenty twenty two. It's now 33 million people um, who are in, in, in situation of hungry. Um, and then more, that means more 40 million people in, in food insecurity from 2020. So when the pandemic starts to now, we have 40 million Brazilians in hunger now, for example. And this is happening in other countries of, of the region. It's a lot of people if we take a look. Look, when we talk, that's like, sorry, Martin, I will let you come in, but just looking at that, those numbers, I mean, that's that, that's that's scary considering one of the things, again, sound, we can only talk from recency bias, but they were talking about the fact that the region should have great food um, security, food, food sustainability, because it is an engine for it. Go ahead, Martin. Sorry. Graziella, what is the solution besides wealth taxes? Is there any other solutions that could be put in place to, to alleviate that burden on people? Yeah, well, we we always talk about tax because we we think about this in a way to have extra revenue to actually support more um, to, to actually support more social policies, so uh, public policies for social protection, for food security. So the idea is to tax so that we can have these public policies that protect and people and alleviate poverty, hunger, and reduce inequality. But also what we are working here in Oxford and Latin America is on a proposal of just transitions. And I know that this, uh, this is a discussion happening everywhere. I can imagine that also in Ireland with this these these higher prices of energy, for example. So everybody's talking about this, and we also are, are are thinking about this because we also can can't remain so much our economies on on extractivism. We can just extract natural resources, and we can't be the farm of the world. So we need to have another kind of economy, and which is a new economy with a. Um, which is more just, so that doesn't concentrate so much, which is equitative, men and women, black and white, so, and then that it's it's sustainable. We don't usually say green because normally when they say green, it's normally a green capitalism that it's not so so good. We can discuss this, but... Oh, we, are- we, 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 we understand that concept very much. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we are saying more sustainable. So the idea is to have a just, equitative, and sustainable um, transitions and uh, economy that um, moves away from extracting natural resources and actually benefits people in a better way. The the just the, just the other thing though it strikes me. I mean, and again, we talk about taxes all the time. The global. Uh, minimum corporation tax rate is coming in. Ireland pushed and pushed and pushed because you know we're one of the um, countries that you mentioned. What, what illicit flows is how how it's referred to, uh, and we 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 were we're on the other on the receiving end. I don't know if you saw, but um, our most recent tax uh, tax returns are in, and we've never had it more. We've never had it better. Like an additional twenty billion in corporation tax receipts coming in uh, into Ireland. And and that is not in line in line with with our real economy. Are those illicit flows now still, you know, reducing the amount of money that's available in in the region that to be able to be spent on those social supports that we were talking about? Yes, it's it's important that you you brought this because normally we talk about illicit illicit financial flows, and we we don't see other mechanisms that are used um, to make this this these financial flows to seem more legal or more okay. For example, even with um, external direct investment, which seems to be very um, legal to do, when you take a look, uh, a look on how they happen in the region, we can see that they, they the money comes and leaves very fast. So normally it's not for a long-term investment to actually um, make improvements for the economy to benefit people and, and, and the nature here. It's actually to make more profit, the money comes and comes in and goes out. And it's a way of, 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 of flying money here with other uh, purpose, including money laundering, even though they use a mechanism that doesn't seem so bad. And what we've seen is that um, even these have reduced while a lot of money is going out. So we can, we can have an idea uh, of what is happening, that the, the most richest, in, the, the richest one in the region and the multinationals company are taking the money out. And this is reducing the capacity to tax in the countries and the capacity to make more social investments. We have a similar situation here in Ireland. Um, as uh, I, I will quote Tony for once. We take the world's money, uh, run them through Raven, Waven pipes, charge a little for, for the service, but we are essentially a tax haven here in Ireland, and we're fueling this in South America as well, which is really bad. We are fueling it in South America. Well, obviously, Graziella's much more, knows more, a lot more about it than we do, but it's just, it's that level where you realize we, it's important to point out that these companies that are doing this, that's, that is really profitable. It is insanely profitable to be able to do that. And there's talk of, you know, the changes to the policies, but it's important to point out that those changes, even Joe Biden wanted 18. You know what I mean? Joe Biden wanted 18% and, and uh, uh, other uh, um, the, the developing countries wanted 28. They wanted closer to 30, to tell the truth. You know, so who won? The already wealthy countries clearly won at 15. That's where that's where it was where the bar has been set. The very last thing I want to, I want to mention is in the report, you talk about the 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 ending of the social contract, which is something that we mention. Uh, you know the the idea that 
you you come into society, you get a job, you do well, and you're able to have a, a decent standard of living. So we refer to it as the social contract as a, as the way of kind of how the state has to support the citizens and the citizens play their part. And that's the deal between the government and us. Does there, it does seem that given some of the 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 changes that 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 is that that has been broken that that's been uh, there seems to be a, a, when when you have people if, who are food insecure that is a failure of the social contract between state and and the citizens has is that starting to play out now in a, in in a sense changing things maybe politically yes and in different ways. So in some countries, the, the political effects are that people are actually turning and saying, okay, we need a new kind of public policies. We need to tax wealth people. We, we need to make more social investments. And then they decide to go for those who make this, this kind of investments. On the other hand, in some countries, uh, people are so sad and it's such a hard situation that they just want change and don't have the chance to make all these analysis and and with the the you know like the how can the publicity let's say yeah, yeah. of the far of the far right mm. they are voting for this so the civic space in many countries in the, the region is actually reducing because of that. So it's really sad because this is extreme situation on the social area brings us to an extreme situation and on the political area. We are having a, a very strong political polarization. Mm. So while some are going to, to more progressive governments, others are going to the far right. And this, this is really worrying. Graziel, David, thank you very much for joining us from Brazil this morning. It's brilliant to have this conversation with you. And I know it's fairly early over there, but thank you for having this conversation with us. Now, listeners love to hear about other parts of the world. And, and what's happening in Brazil is really interesting at the moment from a political point of view and from a monetary point of view. Thank you again for having this conversation with us. I'll... Oh, thank you. And we from Oxfam, Latin America and Caribbean are, are really glad to have this opportunity and willing to participate and, and share more with you. Thank you so thank much. You. And and we'll link to the report in the thing. I, I even I even went to the point where there was parts in the report that uh, that I had to use Google Translate on, but I did it nonetheless anyway. So so, so but, but but we're going to have an English version. It's going to be ready. We're going yeah. we're doing the translation and it will be ready by October 12th. Well <laughs> we'll definitely link that to listeners when, when it's available because but but again, there's a large Brazilian population and growing in Ireland. And, yeah. and we had a housing march recently. And many of many Brazilian um, residents were marching for for better rights for for renters and and the situations that they're having. So so we know that we know we've an audience of Brazilian uh, people who are resident in Ireland listening as well. And obviously we'll be continuing to look what happens with this presidential runoff that has us all nervous because I foolishly said last week, Martin, that I thought. Um, I think the comment I made was that Bolsonaro would have be able to take some time off to spend getting more COVID. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> yeah, and 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 unfortunately, he he 
performed better than we anticipated, but it's not over yet. No, and, no, and, no. And we do take hope by some of by some of the other changes we've seen. Grazie, I really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us again. And it's 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 lovely to see your smiling face. To talk. We, <laughs> listen, folks, we we will be back tomorrow with uh, Frank and Jude, who you'd know uh, to literally started the monitoring of derelict properties in Ireland by walking around with their phones and taking pictures of derelict homes. And they want to talk about what has not happened in the most recent budget. Talk to you all very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.